Have you beat one for this season? Just let me know. We have 13 Premier League titles. I don't, I don't, <laughs> hear, it. I don't hear it. Nah, nah, that's so shameless, fam. Look at, look at where you are presently. Look at Bro, where I, I won't lie to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Biomedics Talk Ball podcast. I'm joined by my hosts, Kevin and Karis. Um, you might hear that Karis sounds a bit off today. He's got a sore throat, but he wants to continue anyway, so the show must go on. Today, we're going to talk about the Chelsea v Burnley game, Arsenal's smashing of Watford, United holding it against City, and we'll also talk about the ESR and Mount debate and whether it's you know important to build your team with youth in mind and legends who might not hack the modern era of the Premier League today. And then just to wrap up the episode, we'll touch lightly on the Ukraine crisis because obviously it involves me being a Chelsea fan. But yeah, so let's talk about Chelsea v Burnley first. What do you guys think about the performance? How do you think Havertz slots into Chelsea's team and does he make us better or do you still think we should give Lukaku a chance? Before we get into before we get into that, yeah, you low key could have said that our special guest was Elton John because that would have been good for listeners. Allow me, man. You sound like Elton John. <laughs> like Elton John, my guy. But yeah, nevertheless, I don't lie to you, man. It was routine, innit? Chelsea wrapped Burnley. Why are Burnley even in the Premier League? Like, just filler at this point. So, I don't even know. I don't even... You know, one of them games, I don't even know what to comment on it, innit? <laughs> so, I'm not going to lie to you. No. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to... <laughs> I watched it, obviously, and um, yeah. it was Reese James' first full 90 minutes back, and he comes back with a goal and assist. Like, that's a, a testament to his class, innit? He scored a very, very, very proper, like, striker's goal. As in ball roll to the left, cuts back in on his right, drills it bottom corner. Like I think he could actually play as a striker, Reese James. I'm not gonna lie. Bro, you need to watch how he plays. Like he's got very much, he's got a better goal instinct than Lukaku. That's true. That it was true. funny. I think I saw something saying that he was a striker in his youth. So it's not even a shot the way he hits the ball that it looks like a striker's doing it. Bro, he's amazing, man. Like I was so impressed with someone that's come back so freshly off an injury and playing as if Nothing happens to basically. And obviously, Bando Baby 29, Havertz, normal performance from him. He got a brace. You know, I know Karras is burning on that one. Hold that. It's Burnley. It's Burnley. I don't care if it's Burnley. I don't care if it's Burnley, bro. Did ESR get a brace against Burnley? I don't think so. You're getting gas for people that are playing Ben Me, man. No, but hot take though is Reese James like better than Trent? In terms of like for England in the World Cup, he doesn't get he doesn't get he doesn't get a chance to play for England, so I can't really comment on that to be honest because Southgate never gives him that chance in it. He just he's Southgate's got his base he's assured starters. He doesn't really like to experiment with his starting lineup, which is fair enough. That's him. true. Yeah. But um, I don't even think I think overall Trent is a tiny bit better. There's a way Trent hits the ball, yeah. That you just don't get me wrong. Reese James is probably top three at delivering balls into the box in the Premier League. Mm. But there's a certain swaz that Trent puts on the ball that you can't really, like, you can't teach it. He just has that in him. But I'd say defensively, Reese James is better. Mm. I'd say going forward, Trent edges him, definitely. But um, defensively, RJ, I'm taking RJ. Overall, I'd probably say most people, and even myself, slightly, Trent is a little bit better. It's not massively, but I'd still choose RJ. Trent Trent is like the English Kimmich type of of build. Mm. Yeah, that type of um, energy comes with. So actually, I'd say, if anything, Reese is because Kimmich plays right back and he can play in the centre, whereas I don't think Trent can play as midfielder. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'd say, yeah, um, I don't think Trent just scored the type of goal that Reese scored against Burnley. Like the way no. he dribbled past no. Fiman mm. to score, that was really good. I can't lie. But That's another thing as well, you know. They both play like different roles, if you get what I'm saying. So, like, Trent plays deeper and just delivers crosses like a Beckham type and Reese is like the more overlapping type that gets mm. in the box and you know causes destruction that way but I just feel like he's delivering the ball we've not seen something like that since David Beckham's times yeah I think low-key low now that you just reminded me about goal scoring ability as well RJ might edge it slightly which is why I said which is why I brought up the question like, yeah, I kind of yeah, think yeah. Trent, Trent is low low overrated yeah I think as, I'm a, sure. as a complete you're package you're I'm taking Reese. as a complete package I'm taking Reese. Anything. Yeah, Gareth Southgate's got his favourite, so fuck him in it. One question I have for Denzel, like mainly for the game, yeah, because I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't know too much about that game. Like, I don't have time to watch Burnley. I'm not gonna lie to you, but do you don't you think that this game kind of square pegs for round holes because you still have a number nine problem, even though we really don't, bro. No, no, no. no. What I mean is like. No, no, what I mean is it's not sustainable to keep that amount of money on the bench. Oh, I'm not and, that. He's, he has to be gone in summer, I'll be real. 
Take all your passports. Yeah, I'll be real. I don't. What use is he to us? We play worse when he's there. Yeah, I thought redemption was coming for him because we didn't get to talk about it. But during the Carabao Cup final, that good finish that he had, I thought you know maybe he'll start to carve out a role for himself. Mm. No, the only thing he needs to carve out is a path out of England. I don't want to see him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have patience with Lukaku, man. He's he's gonna bang. No, how long did I wait? How long did I wait for Lukaku, Karis? <laughs> don't tell me to. Don't tell Dennis to have patience for Lukaku. Hey, let me give you genuine advice. Tell him to fuck off as soon as possible. He's a detriment to any team, and he was twerking for Inter Milan the same way. Yeah, I, he was the United player, and he went to Anderlecht, and he was wearing their full training kit. This guy is shameless. Tell him to fuck <laughs> off. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. I like to. This is like Lukaku anonymous. You're both sharing your. Trauma of him. Lukaku should be held to the same standard of treachery as Carlos Tevez as well. By the way. <laughs> Just scummy footballers. You're buying it, fam. Nah, I don't like I actually don't like Lukaku on the road. I don't like Lukaku. Oh yeah, yeah I thought it was a good game. Yeah, I was I was impressed with how we played. Even I think Pulisic scored as well. Yeah, he did. But um I don't know. I'm, I'm Albert's just... played quite well, I can't lie though. Like yeah. I feel like even in his bad form, I feel what's good of him is that, like you say, he brings the best of other players around him. Like his link up playing, like spatial awareness is always going to be there. So you even with guys like Sancho, which we'll go into another time later, but you could tell those players to have that little bit of intelligence to know where their teammates are and know how to influence the game, make it better for others around them. And those are the best types of players and not the ones that are selfish and play for themselves. So I don't know what this means for Lukaku, of course, but he's played very well in that number nine role. But I think ideally you'll have a striker there in the future. Unless Havertz wants to be the number nine, we'll have to wait and see. I just want the club to flog Lukaku to Newcastle for £3 if they want and bring back Armando Braha. That's all I want. All this nonsense I'm seeing about we'll listen to 58 million, dead that. Because you know, clubs being dumb, fam. You know, some strikers are tailored to performing for lower clubs. So, like, for example, Danny Ings will only ever be an Aston Villa like level striker. They can't perform at the Chelsea's or Liverpool's. How do you know Broha's not in that same category? Because we don't have to pay any money, bro. He's from our academy. We took that mm. chance and lost a hundred million pounds. So Broha can't be any worse than Lukaku. I'd rather bring him back and get rid of Lukaku. And bro, if you watch this man play, he's like Diego Costa's son, honestly. On the way he plays. He's Awareness, his ability, the way he reads the game, like honestly, it's amazing. Like, and he can finish. Like, if he mm. takes three shots, he's scoring at least two. Lukaku mm. takes three shots, he's scoring none. So, if, if he even gets the touches for the shot, that's what I'm saying. Like, and as well, Bro has got really good feet, like, he can dribble as well. Mm. So, yeah, I'm happy to move him back. But let's move on to the Arsenal and Watford game now. Obviously, we'll go to the Arsenal fan first. So, Karis, how do you think that game went? Um, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag today. The thing is. Overall, I'm quite happy, actually, but it was a bit of a mixed bag. So we had a little early scare, but then we got the first goal. Saka and Odegaard had really brilliant link-up. Like Odegaard does his flicks every game that always come off. Then that resulted in him running to the box and scoring. Then, you know, Watford got some amazing bicycle kick, which we'll roll the clip later for that. Bicycle <laughs> kick. Bicycle kick. Could never be my first of all. I don't care about the score at the end of the day. How can you let Cuco Fernandez dis- dis- dispatch your team like that? I don't care if you won. He can never score that kind of goal against my club. I'm sorry. He held four goals instead, so you can't... That's a disrespectful goal. What? Have you beat what for this season? Just let me know. We have 13 Premier League titles. I don't, I don't, <laughs> hear, I don't hear it. Nah, nah. That's so shameless, fam. Look at, look at where you are presently. Look at bro, I, I, I won't lie to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll say we'll, I, have, I have to get things off my chest before my segment. But keeping it like keep keep a focus on Arsenal versus Watford. Yeah, I won't lie to you. Arsenal performance was very very good today, and I know, and I believe the gamble they took for putting all their faith in their youth is continue to show like value in it because Saka is really just becoming something else. Like Karis, what's what are your stats again? Do you mind repeating them? It was, I think, at the time of writing, if I'm not incorrect, it's eight goals and five assists this season. In the yeah, league. how old is he? He's only like, he's I think he's like 21, I believe. Yeah, and he's so polished. He's so polished at 21. The finishing was beautiful. Martinez's shot was so beautiful. Like, Oh, no, Saka is 20. He's not even 21. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, like, just the way they were playing was so good. I feel like if you can get a striker, my gosh, Arsenal are going to be... Something serious, but nevertheless, 
Arsenal, Arsenal in it. So this is just a purple patch season. From next year, you'll go back to entertainment role. You'll be the laughing stock of the league, which is what I enjoy. So no, I think enjoy, enjoy it for now, innit? I have to disagree there. I think I'm not even an Arsenal fan, but I think this time's different. Like if you saw that Martinelli goal, it reminded me of that Jack Horshaw goal. You see the way the football was flowing, fam. The build-up was insane. Yeah. Even the way Arteta threw the ball quickly. Yeah, it was it was nuts, bro. I was just thinking, right, like, these men are not ramping. Like they got a good project going. Like it reminds me of um a little bit of it's a weird comparison way, but it reminds me of the early days of when Lampard took over and he brought all the youth in and we were playing really exciting football. That's how Arsenal's looking right now, except they're, I'd say, in a better place because right now, between the two of them, Arteta and Lampard, Arteta is a slightly better manager. I wouldn't even say slightly, he is the better manager right now. So, if, one Arsenal, secure, if Arsenal secures Champions League football and they actually get backed properly in the summer, I'm not going to lie, there could be a problem. They won't win it, but... I'd say they, at the very minimum, they'd get out of the group stages. I have one word for you. Actually, I have two, one word for you for in terms of Arsenal. Kroenke. And I have another word for you. We're going to Champions League. Lewandowski. Because you know you're getting slapped by Munich in the Champions League. No, but Kroenke, <laughs> the glazers that you've got. The thing huh? is that what people fail to understand is that I think most rivals don't understand that ever since they got full control of the club, they've been more involved in decision-making. Like, Josh Kroenke comes to the UK to talk to the fans, being like, you know, we want to build up this young team that's doing better. That is fighting to be what we were before, basically, because they I understand would... that we've been underperforming. We've been underperforming since the Wenger days. It's been a long, long time now. But I want you to understand finally, that just because, you know, just because owners speak to their fans don't mean nothing. I'm sure. I'm sure Putin speaks to the Russian people, but he still don't care what they have. What they no, think but your no, but your guys like Malcolm Glazer will never speak to your fans ever. Because that man's a devil. He's a devil incarnate. Yeah, exactly. So at least Josh Trump is <laughs> trying to build the report with the fans and change things. So. I don't agree with this whole cronky up and all oh, that rubbish. Just, just that they're taking more ownership of the team. They're trying to change things. You're seeing it on the pitch now. So are you cronky in? Yeah. Well, they're not. You're cronky in. This guy. Uh, Renzo, this, guy's, this guy's got payouts. Ask any logical <laughs> ask find out. They paid him off. They paid him off. They paid him off. <laughs> they paid him off, bro. He's a he's a double agent. <laughs> no, no. All I'm saying is that ask any logical ask to find out. Be the same because the thing is that don't get me wrong. They've been terrible for most of the time. They've been. At Arsenal and the Super League thing was probably where people thought, okay, enough is enough with these men. But since then, they've tried to, you know, talk more to the fans. They've laid out their plans for the team. You know, they've backed Arteta to buy the players he wanted, even though he got the right for getting guys like Ramsdale. He got the right for paying 50 million for Ben White, even though he's performed well for us. You know, all these players that people thought, oh, we've barely improved our team. And I had my own doubts as well. I won't lie about it. This season, the way we've played, it kind of justifies all the business that we've done. And it kind of tells you there is a plan at Arsenal compared to like United, which we'll get onto later. There was a lot of excitement, people being like, oh, the title challenge coming. We've got Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho. Like we've got profiles over name. And I think that's what's helped us in our pursuit for more things this season. And of course, next season, we want to be in the hunt for trophies and stuff, but there's clear progress there for sure. On the topic of players you brought, on the topic of players you brought here, Odegaard is a bloody steal, fam. I yeah, want him. Fam. If we had Odegaard, I'm not going to lie, I think the Lukaku situation would be different, low-key. If we had a creator like Odegaard, as wasteful as Lukaku's been, I'm sure he would have actually bagged a couple goals. Like, mm. Odegaard is balling out, fam, and was only, what, 34 million or something like that? Uh, yeah, like 30 million, yeah. Bro, Madrid's coughing blood. They could have easily priced them double that. And you guys, we got. If they said sixty million, I'm not gonna lie. You guys were probably still paid. It's one of these things where, like, how um, at the start I wasn't the biggest fan of him because I felt like on his loan he showed that he's got a bit of tech, but I didn't feel like he was assertive enough. Like you know, getting into the into the box, scoring goals, or you know, trying to proper affect the game enough. Like he just looked like a silky player. That's it. But ever since like. November, December, he's just taken a new form, like, number 10, every number game. 10. He's controlling everything, literally. He's probably our most vital attacker right now. Not tell, Bruno, tell Bruno take notes. Oh, 100%. Tell Bruno to literally read, uh, just watch a documentary on Odegaard or something, or watch a documentary on KDB, because this guy needs all the help he can get. He needs spiritual intervention on top of it. Useless player. Talking about useless players, what happened with Ronaldo, bro? Let's move on to City United. What's going on there? Okay, so four City goals. United, let me even get into it. Four goals. Oh, God, let me touch on it. So I watched the game, and the atmosphere was already off because Bruno Fernandes was on the strike. And my thing is, an element of me thought that because Bruno himself does not show me number ten traits, I was thinking 
there is an odd possibility that something could happen here. That's the illogical United fan in me. But I believe we'll put to the sword after five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Karis watch the game. Let me let me quickly let me quickly see. Well, after, five five, minutes. after five minutes, and Maguire decided one let me, let me just explain in a nutshell. De Gea is literally saving face for us right now. Wamasaka is every single day, Wamasaka is just wiping the floor with his body, slide tackling left, right, and center. Harry Maguire has no coordination with the lower part of his body. Like I feel like Stephen Hawking had had more. Um, coordination with his lower body than Maguire like <laughs> guy feels so disconnected with the football he's like the ball's bouncing around he can't touch it Lindelof mm, it was okay but I know he's going to take the, the most of the flame from Maguire Tellers is shocking bro Tellers is I'm so good. glad we didn't buy him man he is cheeks he's booty cheeks Freda McTominay oh my god Freda McTominay actually so dead like I remember on, on the on the on the Twitter account, I said, "What supernatural hold does it have?" And someone in the comments said, "We need the legs." Where were the legs today, bro? KDB was unmarked in the box. Where's the CDMs? We have two of them for a reason, and none of them were there. Then, like compared to what Fabinho does for Liverpool, always tracking back. Yeah, man, he's a workhorse. Fabinho by himself is two times the player of McTominay and Fred combined. Do no, who, who was it that put Fred on the floor, fam? I don't even know. So dirty, fam. Someone skinned him. I can't remember who it was. But he was there rolling on the floor, fam. Separately, yeah, every single game Man United plays is free entertainment, and I'll tell you why. Just forget everybody else. Just watch Harry Maguire. <laughs> you see that second goal De Bruyne scored? Mm-hmm. How did my man step over the ball? My man dummied himself, fam. I was just watching thinking, wow. 18 million, bro, 18 million great British pounds sterling. Fam. If I'm Ronaldo right now, yeah, I'll probably stage my kidnapping, like what Mikel did. I'll stage my <laughs> kidnapping, say, oh, yo, tell my agent, hey, look, I've been kidnapped. Do you not see me for, like, a couple months? Next thing you know, I'm in a Real Madrid shirt or something. Man said, Manchester United have actually reached a level of shit that I'm just like, it's not salvageable no more, bro. It's not salvageable, fam. The Busby babes are turning in their grave, bro. Sancho, he had a good performance. He bagged, but it's 4-1, bro. It's 4-1. It's like Bernardo. Got his goals it's like, it's like that quote from Silva that's been going around where he was saying, oh, it's not just about goals and assists, but what's best for the team, in it?" Exactly. Like It's like, you, you man also saw the Amir Khan fight, right? It's like, if my man said, I jabbed him, did you see what happened to you, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just like, it's just, I feel like if, if we did this pod, as soon as the game finished, I'd be more animated. But right now, bro, just like, just got, it is what it is, bro. Like, it's just... I'm a, I'm a broken man right now, fam. That man like um, Bruno Fernandez, like today was really was a situation where you could just see side by side the difference in quality because Kevin De Bruyne ran the game, and he did what a number ten of old used to do. Like every pass went through him, every decisive decision went through him. The game started and ended with Kevin De Bruyne. And it's just like, even even when you leave, even when he left the pitch, his tempo was already set. And his, man, his team just continued it as left the team. And you see Bruno now. Be- sorry, be- bearing in mind, Kevin De Bruyne did not have one single long shot all game, by the way. But he scored two goals. Kev- and Bruno Fernandes was just running up and down, doing up cardio. Like, I'm tired <laughs> of the brother, man. I'm honestly tired of Bruno Fernandes. Like, he really is just... I don't know no, where he is. some stats in his game today. Yeah, bro. Please, 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 please do, man. Go, man. I want to laugh. Please do. Public. Okay, so he had zero successful dribbles all game. Yep. Zero successful crosses. Amen. Um, what else? One accurate long ball all game. Continue. Seventy-one percent passing accuracy. Preach. Um, he lost ten jewels out of twelve he faced in the game. My God. Pardon? 10 out of 12 duels lost. Yeah. <laughs> 10 out I think, of 12 I believe that's the goal. second most in the game. Professional. And, and then dribble pass three times. And I think that is everything. Yeah, yeah. So basically, all a shame performance for me. Can I ask a question? What's Bruno? What is Bruno's main skill? 
what's he what do we say he excels at that's a genuine question that like, what is his main skill like what's what is what's the main thing he brings to the game like if you're saying okay put his name down or, or down the team sheet he's gonna bring this what is that well judging by the stats you say chance creation because for, for some reason he's like at the very top for chance creation in the premier league which is which i don't which i don't understand how but no one's putting them away or no nah, if you throw enough dude i will stick no, that, that's cap. Is there like a fine margin? Is there like a he passes it, it deflects off someone, and it goes to one of the people? Because I don't see these assists. I'll be watching United game, but I don't be seeing these assists. <laughs> he's like, um, <laughs> he's like key passes, like he, the pass before the shot. He gets, he gets a lot of them. Yeah. Does that wait? Does chances created include pre-assists? Um, I have no idea. I'm not into my stats too, too much like that. But yeah. Okay, so well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on to a topic that I know Karis has been gagging to talk about all day because really? he, he's loving this one. But the debate between Smith Rowe and Mason Mount, who's better, Karis? I know, I know you've got a lot to say. Go on. There's a lot to say. Firstly, Mason Mount's a very good player, of course. I won't pretend that I don't rate him. I've rated him a long, long time. Um, the way he's emerged at Chelsea, he's been good under Frank Lampard, and he's probably one of your main players then. And he's probably not stopped playing since then either. So fair play to him, he's done well. But Smith Rowe definitely, I think, at least in the future, he's definitely going to cause problems for, you know, who's got the higher ceiling or who's the better player in the future at the very least. And the reason I say that is, for example, I think already Smith Rowe's finishing is a, a league above Mason Mounts right now. You could see from the variety of goals he scored this season that yeah, true. he has a finishing ability that Mason Mount doesn't have right now. And I'm not sure if he will ever have it, but I could be wrong. But I don't know. What would you say about Mason Mount how he's performed this season? His finishing is so... <laughs> uh, I don't know how to describe it because I think it was it Wolves who played that amazing first-time finish he had where it was whipped in and he didn't even take a touch. He just hit it first time, like, in his stride. Oh, yeah, it was like Zia because he lobbed it from far. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful finish, man. Like, that takes real skill. He's got moments of greatness like that. And then other times, it's like, he just takes silly decisions where he should have passed and he just, like, whacked it wide. Or we'll talk about Carabao Cup final, for example. We should have scored there, man. Like, should have won. Beautiful, beautiful ball from Pulisic. Sliced through the defence completely, left three defenders behind him. Keepers in no man's land. And he's hit the post. Like, bro, you can't be hitting the post from there, man. Like, you've got, you've got to put those away. So his finishing is suspect, I can't lie, but... Everything else, and he provides a lot of press and intensity. He's got great vision. He can hit a very good pass. Positional awareness is great, but he's still not quite the finished product yet. And that's fine. He's got time. I'm not expecting him to be Frank Lampard right now. I would also say, though, before if Kevin wants to add anything later, I think Jamie Carroll must have said something like time ago where he was like, Smith Rowe is probably one of his favourite dribblers carrying the ball in the Premier League. Mm. And for me personally, I feel like something that will stand out in the future is that Smith Rowe, for me, is better at carrying the ball over a long distance than Mason Mount is. I think Mason Mount's more like hustly and busty, like physically gifted, but Smith Rowe is just so creative with the ball. Like he'll carry it past a few guys like it's nothing and then lay on that final pass, almost like, like Realish does. So yeah. I feel like yeah. he's better in that aspect than better of a shooting. And I think all that's really left is for him to improve his creative side for it to be a near full-on conclusion. I think how I look at the two players, like if I was a manager, I would want a Mils- I would want ESR on the ball, but for Mount, I love it when he's off the ball yep. because this guy's movement is beautiful. Like in the Carabao Cup, I was just like, if this guy could finish, boy, Liverpool wouldn't stand a chance. And this is Liverpool we're talking about. But then again, that limitation does undermine the off-the-ball movement. So I won't lie to you, ESR, call it Croydon bias, but ESR really is a really, really good baller. And he's fortunate to be in the Arsenal system where they do believe in youth. So he's in the perfect system for himself. And his dribbling, his creativity and his link-up, especially when he's playing with Saka, is fantastic. I won't lie to you, man. And that segues nicely into our next topic of buying into youth players because obviously if we look at Chelsea now <clears throat> we've managed to build our team around the youth that started when Lampard came in that's something I'll always be thankful for him that he did where he brought back the boys from Derby so Mount Tammy Abraham you know he started Reese James more put faith in him and we've built something that can carry us into the future as opposed to buying ready-made names who are like 
well into their late 20s in their peak, but then you have to replace them in like three years. So how important would you guys, do you guys think that integrating youth players into a team is in modern football today? Um, I think it has to go hand in hand with buying established players as well. So I think a perfect team is a team that has three layers. So you've got layers of old heads, quote unquote, ages, maybe 32, but maybe not too much older than that. And they're like the standard professional coming early for training, etc. You've got your prime players, which are like the 27s, the 26s, who are at the peak of their career, able to balance their enhanced skill set, probably enhanced publicity, putting the limelight, but know that at the end of the day, what's important is a team. Then your youth, which is your future, which is basically, I basically just explained to you what Man City, what Man City and Liverpool are doing right now. So it's very, very important to buy into the youth, which Arsenal is showing. However, when you're now talking about winning trophies, what Arsenal will see is that that lack of experience isn't really there to train these players. But Arsenal are playing the long game. So when Saka is like 25 and he's done all that heavy lifting, that grinding, he's going to be, you can't, you can't want me to mess with him because he's going to be so experienced, seasoned, been there, done that, had to grind for it because who's necessarily the role model for Saka at Arsenal right now? It's funny because it's probably Erdegaard who's been through everything because he was at Madrid at the age of 15 years old. He's yeah. gone through the motions. And even as a 23-year-old guy, he's the experienced guy to look, to look up to. So it shows how far we moved with this youth mindset, really. Yeah. So you've, you've got young players. You've got... It's sad because you've got young players who are more professional than some of the older players at United. So I expect BS to come out in the media from Maguire more than I expect from Saka. And that is... It's not, you shouldn't be getting it from any of them, but that is a bit worrying because Maguire is a 26 or 27-year-old man, maybe even 28-year-old man. And he's more in the media for Malarkey. But then you have Arsenal players who are young, very focused, very fit, and very interested in, invested into their team. So I think another thing as well is when you've got youth players in the team, there's a certain exuberance they have because yeah. sometimes a lack of experience makes you take risks that pay off. So if you look at players like Havertz and Mount, when they played in the Champions League final, like that was their first Champions League final. But that excitement comes with certain decisions you make, like Mount choosing to hit that pass the first time, things like that as well. And it's at the same time, like you said, you have to balance your experience as well, because if you try to go only for youth, if that was the mindset for, say, a team like us, Chelsea, we would have missed out on taking a chance on signing a player like Thiago Silva. I mean, he's 37, 38, but he's playing like he's still 25. So it's a mix of having those older players who can hand down their knowledge to the youthful players and at the same time having those youthful players who, you know, they can play a full 90 minutes easily. You don't have to worry about rotating them too much. But at the same time, I feel like there was a stat that I saw on Twitter the other day where someone was comparing Fabregas and Modric. And Fabregas, when he was at Arsenal, he'd already played 300 games, I think. Mm. Whereas Modric had played significantly less and now that Fabregas is at Monaco, I think he's only played at like over 60 games, whereas Modric has played over 150 games at Madrid. And so you have to also question, does playing young players often early in their career make them like hit a brick wall sooner? Yes. I yes. feel like, Wait, like look at Rashford. Rash, I think Rashford's Wait. a great example. I think Rashford's a great example because when he yeah, first yeah. came on the scene, he was lighting the league up. And now he's... I don't know, like, he doesn't play the way everybody used to recognise him before. I think it's something that is, like, you know, it's case by case. Like, I feel like with Rashford, for example, like, surely you can't be finished at 24. If anything, I feel like the coaching at United has not been enough for him to, you know, take leaps and bounds in his game. And just himself with his conditioning, like, you know, when he's injured, he doesn't like to go and recover. He just likes to go and be like, I want to play the next game. And Ollie would let it happen as well. He wasn't a strong manager in that sense. But going into this whole young players thing as well, as you're saying that exposure too early can be bad for some, but it's more on a case-by-case basis. And we saw that with Jack Walsh, obviously, like, you know, he was introduced into the Arsenal team from the age of 16, had so many experiences, played for Bolton, played for us, was in the Premier League teams a year. He experienced everything before the stress factor injury that kind of, you know, started everything off for him. Mm. But I think for sure, as an Arsenal fan, I always champion that, you know, you bring through your youth, like Saka, Smith Rowe. Honestly, 
to find guys like that on the market would be so difficult. So they came at a time where we're so grateful for them. Martinelli only got for six million from Ituano in Brazil. Um, Lokongo is probably he's, he's our backup to Shaka and Partey. He's had a few like decent strides here and there. So you know, young players always be important. Even for you guys, Chalaba has probably saved you money on having to sign someone like Kuande. Yeah. Um, who else have you guys got that's young? I'm trying to think. We've got Reece all your other young players are very established now. Yeah. So you got guys like Harvey Vale coming through, and then see United. Like even though United have got things have been a bit bad recently, they still got some young players that looking for something like Elanga has yeah. showing great movement. They've got United a guy. United's slightly there. different though. I, I know, but I feel like as much as I like to banter United, you got things to be positive about in the future. Like you got this guy called Garnacho, who's an Argentinian guy. He got called up to their national team squad recently. I don't know if it's to secure him for the future or not, but he'll be making ways for Man United. Um, got Ethan Laird on loan. you got a bear guys that, you know, have potential really. And if anything, more English clubs should keep making sure that they put their trust in these young players. As well, I was going to say, it's, it also ties into scouting as well. Like Liverpool does that really, really well. Like, Luis Diaz, I hadn't heard of him until they bought him. But this guy, bro, he's a serious baller, man. Like, he's a problem. Every game I've seen him play, he plays like he's been playing football for like the last eight years already. And he's just, it's like second nature to him. And I feel like Chelsea need to do that more. We need to, when we scout players, I think we focus too much on ready-made names. Whereas Liverpool see someone that fits their needs and their player profiles that they're out for. United as well. Yeah, they'll think, let's bring him in. Because Luis Diaz is a player that could easily, I think, what, five, six years from now, he could be going on the market for like 70 million. Whereas they bought him for what? How much did they pay for him? It was still quite a lot that they paid, but it was justified. I can't remember how much... But I think he'll his value will double in the next three to four years easily. So that's another thing as well. It's about making sustainable purchases and also being self-sustaining as a club as well. Because when you ring for youth players, it's not always going to work out. You have to sell them on. And that's what I'd say that's what Chelsea does really well. Like we sold Mark Quahy for over 20 million pounds, even though he barely, I don't think he ever played a senior game for us, besides that friendlies or something. Crystal Palace bought him for 20 million plus. But that's another thing as well. When you've got too much talent on your hands, you can't keep everyone. So we've let people slip through the cracks like Olise at Crystal Palace amazing player I'd love to have him back now but I know we probably have to pay someone in the region of 45 to 50 million if we want him back he reminds me of Amara's the way he plays so so good he's that guy amazing. will be world class he's an amazing ball carrier man and he can seriously deliver a ball into the box as well um, defenders as well you know we have to let go of Livermento even though there's a buyback clause fair enough and potentially I don't want it to happen but Armando Broja, if we let him go, that'll be another case of, you know, Chelsea making poor decisions when it comes to youth. What about Gallagher? Oh, how can I forget? I love that guy, man. I think he would fit into our midfield nicely. I think he'll be a first-team regular next season. I don't think we're going to sell him. And I don't think he needs another loan. I think he's ready to play first-team football for us. Let's also move on to... This is a bit of an interesting topic. Football legends that we think might not cut in the modern Premier League era. I think I've got a couple of names that might come to mind, but who do you want to have at the top of your head? I've got a few already, but I know you might want to start first. Yeah, Karras, go on. Okay, this one, don't get me wrong, he was good. He was a good player in his time, and I see why he got a lot of praise, and anyone that's listening, yeah, it's all banter, but it's partly serious as well. Um, the first one I'm going to say is Paul Scholes. God will punish you. <laughs> and, and you, have to, you have to hear me out. Wait, wait. Easy, yeah? Back in back in them <laughs> back in them times in the Premier League, you have all the time on the ball. So this guy could ping long balls for days into the corner, in it. That's calm. We all know he could pass the ball. But anybody that watched Paul's goals knows that his liability was defensive. And the guy has the fifth most yellow cards in Premier League history. And okay. we all know anybody that uses that eyes and is truthful. Look, this guy could not tackle for shit. Let's be honest. So he could he, not tackle anything. So he walked so Granite Xhaka could run, basically. Love Granite Xhaka. That's my goal. Love. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Your human are using Paul Scholes and Shaka in the same sentence. Are you guys okay? Hold that. Paul Scholes. Don't let me get on your legends, you know. Don't get me on your legends, you know. Man said, what's the difference between Robert Perez, right? Robert Perez and fucking Aaron shame. Lennon. And Aaron Lennon. What's the difference? Give okay, I have some shame, please. What's the difference? No, but a bit of shame. Even you don't believe that you're small. Burkamp, Burkamp, and Bentner. No, no, but am I am I right or wrong in saying that he can't tackle? I was never okay, a great trait. 
his vision and his passing range was. What I'm saying is, Perhaps. let one, let Paul Pogba steamroll past this guy. It's too easy. Paul Scholes, right, is one of England's golden children. Let Michael at least say, not make this guy and run past him. PMP. <laughs> not make who? Scholes. When was this? No, I'm, I'm saying, imagine in this modern era. I like, man. Any midfielder with strength and technique is finishing Paul Scholes. Most most Arsenal legends won't after other than Thierry Henry won't cack it in the modern game. Henri would have shit hat, bro. Henri. Other, other than Henri, none of them will hack it. So not Vieira. No. Yes, he bro. He's the definition of PMP. Are you okay? Nah, man. Vieira wouldn't hack it. Obviously, I'm triggered about the scores comments. I'm talking Malaki. Yeah, right now. now do you know who Vieira. I think? Vieira. I think Peter Crouch wouldn't fit in today's. Style of football because he the target, Crouch, the target the target man role is kind of dead now. I think Pierre Crouch didn't even fit in them in the previous era. He was just an anomaly. I don't know what he was doing. Nah, it worked for him because like teams like okay, Sunderland and that they like Route One football worked back then. It doesn't really work anymore. Stoke City. Like how many teams play with a target man these days? Like a tall guy that's not that mobile, but he's gonna win every header and he's got a sh- like it doesn't. That role's kind of dying now. Yeah, it's true. The target man role has kind of evolved a little bit into your type, like Lukaku's, who's again can't even do that properly. To be honest, I'm not even going to use his name. But um, yeah, I think someone like him wouldn't have worked. Um, I think more Chelsea players, any of our legends that wouldn't hack it in the modern era. Um, Loco. please stop smoking whatever you're smoking, bro. I- I'm just here for the vibes, man. <laughs> yeah, you're just chatting there, man. Um. <laughs> Can any more names come to mind for you, Karis? Jamie Carragher. <laughs> Graham like, why, why do you think he wouldn't cut it? Like, have you seen his tapes? Like, any any um, any striker that had mad pace or technique finishes this guy. Thierry Lee was having this guy for lunch. <laughs> like, no, like, Im- imagine Jamie Vardy running at Jamie Carragher. Who's g- is he going to catch him? Let's be honest. Obviously not, man. That's mad though. I just got. A qu- I just thought of something. Would John Terry hack it in the modern era? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why? If Thiago Silva, yes. If Thiago Silva can hack it right now, John Terry would. And that's so, the closest yeah. thing we have to John Terry right now. His positional awareness. The thing with John Terry was he wasn't quick. He could yeah. just read the game really, really well. Like he knew yeah. where he was going to move next. So that's what he was always a step ahead. And that's something well, like that to say it is. work. Even the scores one is a stretch, yeah. But all United legends would cut would cut in the modern era. That's a fact. Vidic, Vidic and Ferdinand now would cut it. I don't think Ola would cut it, bro. Vidic would get skinned by Saka. Just watch. Who? He's Vidic. Vidic would eat. Vidic would eat. Ingest <laughs> Saka. Please calm down. <laughs> Torres was eating Vidic. That's what huh? I'm gonna say to you. Torres was eating Vidic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll eat Vidic, skim the keeper, and miss. Are we, are we remembering? Are we remembering this memory correctly, bro? At Chelsea, not at Liverpool. At Liverpool, Torres was a monster. At Liverpool, no. he was skinning me, man, and putting five um five hands um sorry five fingers in the air. I got another hot <laughs> take. Actually. I got a hot take. Actually, Alan Shearer wouldn't cut in the modern game. Let's be genuine. Alan Shearer, why not him? Yeah, bro, I never really watched Shearer like that, so I can't comment. Yeah, I don't think I don't know his game too well, but um, he he would I be think... he would be like a, a Danny Ings. Or you know that one season where Ricky Lambert was slapping goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Ricky Lambert Sarah, in the same sentence. <laughs> Obviously, I'm actually, I one thing that'll be good to bring up actually. Um, yeah. So you know how the modern keeper has changed. Do you think there's any keepers of old that might have not adapted to this time? Van der Sar. <laughs> he had his ball playing ability was bad. That's a fair point to be honest. Um, I think who's it that came to mind for me? Petacek. Nah, check would have worked because he, he was good with his feet on the ball. But well, I was take me say, seriously, man. I'm, I'm just here for vibes for this segment. I don't like to. Keepers. I don't know, football was different because football was more reliant on shot stoppers. Now goalkeepers need to be able to actually ping a pass, be good on the ball. So I'd say who wouldn't have worked? Maybe Joe Hart. Yeah. Was he, was he good on yeah. the ball like that? No, that's why that's why Pep kicked him out. Yeah. He didn't really he he dashed him to Serie A, bro. Them man like Joe Hart, Paul Robinson, you know, the old ones. Yeah, ironically, Joe Hart's career kind of answered this question already because when the modern era technically was established, his career went to shit. So it's kind yeah. of, well, it answered itself for him. 
literally, man. But even but I want like a yeah, go. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. I think even like um, who was City's keeper at the time? We had him as well. I've forgotten his name. The bald brother, Cavalero. Cavalero. Yeah, it's funny because he was he was decent for a long time, and then Pep just dashed him to the side as well, and he was kind of like. The middle ground between the old keepers and like then you like Caballero was decent with his feet on the ball, but I don't know why he fell out of favor of Pep. Had Edison come in by then? No idea. Yeah, yeah, we ended up buying him. But yeah, what were you gonna say, Kevin? What I was gonna say was um I wanna I wanna think of like a proper legend. So obviously off air, I said Pele, but that's like quite generic because obviously no one actually watches by the play. We just know he scored like a thousand goals or, or some shit like that. Yeah, but, but he was scoring against niggas that just touched the ball for the first time. But go on. He, he was he was he was playing against the kick and run the kick the kick and run generation. If you're faster, <laughs> than, if you're faster <laughs> than the next man, then you're better than the next man. So I think Pele was one of the popular ones. But I don't just want Pele. I want us to actually like think of like a proper high level legend. Who benefited from their time? This might be a terrible shout. Let me not lie to you, but yeah. Cannavaro was really, really good at his time. But yeah. do you think his lack of height might have been exposed really badly? Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Keep in mind, Cannavaro was five foot nine, I believe. I yeah, got five one. Foot nine. I got one. Cannavaro was a shot, yeah, but I think Totti. Eh? Totti. I don't know about that one, bro. I don't he know, know, but he was, was a serious guy. You might actually watch Totti, or are you just talking like that right now? We've all seen Totti. He's played. He's played as a number ten. He'll be fine. Yeah. His lack of his lack of burners. So you tell me, his lack of burners won't be a problem now, because De Bruyne is classed as a slow player, but he's not slow compared to the likes of Totti. I don't think it would have been so much of an issue because, I mean, I was at first even I was going to say someone like Perlo because the modern game doesn't. Perlo. Do you know, I was gonna say I was gonna say him almost because I was thinking the modern game doesn't allow you to have so much time on the board to pick out a pass anymore. But then again, he was doing it at Juventus for ages anyway. But then Syria tax in it. No, but but the beauty of Perlo was he didn't need time on the ball because he knew what he was doing before he's even received the ball. But why I said Totti was because the number ten and the Totti that made his name what it is was kind of like you know that drive long shot type of error mm. and Bruno is trying to push that narrative now and it's not working Bruno is his own his own different level footballer in a bad way no no I know what you mean but like now you kind of need physicality but you also need to be intelligent like the average footballer now is has a degree of intelligence that is required like the a Lewis Dunk for example now is better than the Lewis Dunk equivalent of back in the day like the average footballer is good, better. I mean, if you get what I, I mean. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Moving on to our last topic now, on a slightly more serious note. Obviously, everybody's seen the news of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, <clears throat> and spilled into football. But it's a funny one because for ages the line's always been over here. You know, football is no place for politics. But then we've seen all the messages. They're not bad. They're nice messages, whatever, but that is bringing politics into football. And so how do you guys feel about how, you know, the media and everybody else's reaction has been very much different compared to other, you know, global crises we've seen around the world? Um, well, firstly, I'd say that, you know, the response by many football teams has been um, admirable. Like, it's good to see football getting behind these people who are being oppressed for no reason by... Putin's terrible regime um, and like yeah for example when City played Everton it was very touching to see Mikulenko and Zinchenko both hugging it out and you know it was just a good strong message to see that you know these guys can still carry on with their daily lives even despite the treacherous things that are going on um, so I do feel like there is a place for football and politics like people just try to segment it but if anything football is a good platform to bring awareness to social issues and I always respect those that bring awareness to it more than those that just hide and just you know say oh football is my only job like that's why I love for example even though he wasn't really the best player for us in his final few years Bellerin always brought awareness to social issues and I feel like footballers should do that more and continue to do it as well. Mm. I think another thing as well which is unfortunate but you know, it is what it is and it's happened was Abramovich having to sell Chelsea 
um, a lot of people don't fully understand the reasoning behind that or the why, but essentially Abramovich and Putin were at one point quite close. So in the early 2000s, he was essentially Putin's like confidant. He actually helped pick Putin's members of cabinet. He vetted them. You know, he was kind of like a, almost like a big brother to Abramovich. But then as the years went on, their relationship soured a little bit and he distanced himself from Putin. You know, he stayed, he spent a lot more time in England and around the world, but not so much in Russia. And I think now that's kind of come back to bite him in the ass because now that Russia's invaded Ukraine, they're linking him to that whole thing because, oh, you know, you helped Putin get there and this is kind of your thing. And it's the British government as well trying to punish Russia by punishing the oligarchs, by seizing their assets and, you know, dragging them out through long judicial processes. It is unfortunate, but I think it was the best thing for Chelsea for him to sell it because if we if he the club gets dragged into financial battle regarding his assets, could get along for us. But yeah, I will be sad to see him go. Yeah, I, th- I think um, football as a whole has kind of answered to the situation in the best way possible because I feel like the war, this situation is kind of understood that it's kind of pushing against everyone else because even Russians aren't necessarily in support of what he's doing over there. So I feel like um, I'm very, very happy and glad to see a lot of Russian footballers coming out, speaking against the war. A lot of Russian footballers are speaking openly, saying this is wrong. Obviously, I know that even like FIFA, a lot of um, any type of footballing activity related to Russia is also being put to the side, which is collateral, but is necessary. So I personally believe things have been handled quite well. Um, Ironically, in that outside of football, I don't think things have been handled well in terms of the media and the way the things that are being said in a very undermining way to ethnic minorities for a situation that there's, I don't believe how there should be, there should be no, no time to now introduce racism to an, uh, a situation that's already quite damning and upsetting. Yeah. One thing I'd like to add as well is to add to your point that of course, it's been sad to see the scenes that have been going on in the borders close to Ukraine, like, you know, black people that are being turned away or, you know, not being given priority to, escape as refugees and it's sad that there's time for racism and also at the same time this is directly back to you know our response to social issues in football I feel like as well there's many times where we raise not we like ourselves but you know at least the football clubs raise awareness for issues that won't hurt their pockets or concern them so for example let's say Meza Ozil when he left Arsenal he didn't leave Arsenal because of what happened with the Oigan Muslims, but um, obviously in the build-up to him leaving Arsenal, that was a big issue that was happening, and you know he was trying to raise awareness to, to it, and Arsenal distanced themselves from it, which I think is wrong. Like you know, as humans, we always have to give awareness and also to fight for the oppressed, and that's what Özil was doing, and I commend that for sure. We're just leaving football to the side for now because there was footballing reasons of Özil, but at least on the social side, you know. Also should have supported him, and I don't really rate that from my own club. But you know, you just gotta be honest with things like that. And then, yeah, just in general, like I remember when last season Pogba and Diallo were holding the Palestine flag, and you know they'll be called anti-Semitic and stuff like that. And again, I don't think it's right. Just I'm a Christian myself, you know. I believe it's right to stand for the oppressed, and you know, give awareness to these sorts of things. It's just you know about the kinds of human nature, and you know just being honest with ourselves really so there needs to be a bit more consistency in that sort of thing in the, in the footballing world for sure yeah i think another thing that's unfortunate with the situation is it's brought up a lot of the hypocrisy that exists both <clears throat> within society and sport itself so we've got fifa deciding that russia won't participate in the world cup anymore they've been removed from the game um if i remember correctly i think cska moscow and all the other russian teams have been removed from their respective competitions regarding champions league and europa league yep but if we look historically, I don't ever remember those same actions being taken against America when they spent the last part of, you know, the decade bombing the Middle East. They weren't removed from, you know, CONCACAF or the World Cup or anything because mm-hmm. they were deemed, you know, to be in the right. But at the same time, I think what's happened here is because the Western media has spent so long vilifying Russia and mm-hmm. making everyone have, you know, an inherent sense of fear towards them. There's no backlash towards the repercussions they're taking towards them, but a lot of people don't actually understand 
the whole situation. They just see it as, you know, I'm by no means condoning what Russia's done. You know, they've taken a very egregious action here. But what's happened is NATO broke a long existing promise that they had with Russia as well. So yeah. I think NATO was actually originally formed to defend against Russia after World War II. Yep. And the Russian government, yeah, the Russian government wasn't happy with that because they helped win World War II. So they were very confused why an alliance needs to be made against them. But then they had an agreement, I think in 1991, that they wouldn't be any more than 16 members and they can't expand. But then mm. 10 years, they grew to like 30 members. And so Russia got very pissed off and was like, look, I don't want NATO on my doorstep. And for that reason, you can't have Ukraine. And so they had a gentleman's agreement, basically, that Ukraine can't join NATO. Ukraine has to denuclearize, so they have to get rid of all their nukes and Russia would invade. But what happened was they had talks about joining NATO, I think around 2010, that kind of broke down. And then 2014, Putin annexed Crimea, which led on to the, you know, the Donbass war, the longest ongoing war in Europe with Ukraine as well, which started 20th of February, 2014. Yeah. Or at least something around that. So it's a very intricate situation, but it's just funny to see how everyone's reacting. I think you guys have seen the clips as well, like news reporters saying, you know, I can't believe that it's people with blonde hair and blonde hair and blue eyes being killed or like I can't believe it's bombs being dropped in Europe but then this, this kind of sentiment wasn't there for you know the victims in Syria Iraq Afghanistan so I just think it's a shame that the world has kind of hierarchy for who's suffering matters more so like I, I just kind of want to say for all the listeners out there we just want to say that we do pray for the citizens of Ukraine and our prayers and wishes as humans, Christians, just for the love of humanity is that we should just be pushing for peace no matter what. No matter skin colour, religion, sexual orientation, anything is for peace. But um, I do really, really love the point that Denzel made because America have done a lot of severe um, threats against humanity and peace as we know it, and they've never been given this. But nevertheless, just because they haven't doesn't mean that Russia also shouldn't be going through what they're going through. Like, so... It is just a situation where I just believe let us help Ukraine because it's the right thing to do. But let the media not start to choose who is deserving of support because it's like people, like like they just said, in the Middle East, were almost like they're not worthy of remorse. But in Ukraine, we're hearing stuff like people with white, blonde, blue eyes, but there are people with black skin black eyes who are dying in that same country who probably do love ukraine just as much as the next person so please i just believe that we should just as a whole be have maintain ukraine within our prayers and just prevent all sort of hate being introduced to all of your hateful situation also, nevertheless yeah yeah just to add as well you know, obviously everyone's on Twitter and trying to keep up to date what's happening, but be very careful with what information you choose to ingest as well, because there's a lot of false information going around as well. You know, old videos being reused, doctored images, you know, fake videos and misinformation in a time like now is only causes more divide. So be very careful with what you choose to view online as well. Nevertheless, it's been the Bamedes Talk Wall podcast. Gave a little educational talk at the end. Pray you value the advice we try to give. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to follow us on the BTB podcast Twitter page at the BTB pod. And thank you very much. Have a good day.